Hello, and welcome to another episode of Just Talk with Joe Meyer. I'm your host, Joe Meyer. Glad to be here with everyone here today. And uh, kicking off another episode on this Saturday evening. Hopefully everyone's doing well. And sometimes it gets to the moment where I know I have to do another pod. Because I want to. But I also sometimes feel tired. Or I feel like maybe I don't have anything to contribute today. But I must. (laughs) So let me start off by our traditional kick off our song and just to get you guys in the mood of where we're headed all right so let me start off with this song that it's it's a song from the 90s it's it's one of my favorite groups i don't listen to it every day but it's one that i remember it's from the prodigy called firestarter and i think you'll enjoy it because it it was put it's it's been put in a lot of films movies uh, tv things of that nature but let me start
right, everyone. So we'll get you in the mood. Thinking about that song in general. Been around since the late 90s. I think even the, the, the lead singer, unfortunately, I think a few years ago he had um, committed suicide, which is unfortunate. Because uh, he, he, man, that guy was seemed talented, without a doubt. Um, but anyways, um, I think his name was Liam or something. Yeah. Um, hopefully everyone's doing well out there. Um, I am doing well to a certain degree. Let you know how I'm doing. It's, it's, it's been a weird couple months since January, since, um, I got sick with COVID and things just started changing on, at my job. And, um, not that things are bad or anything, but it's just different. And I'm like what's called an implementation consultant. I'm not a consultant per se, but that's just my title, right? And um, I work on projects very similar to what I've done before in the past. I've done this for quite a few years. Mostly have worked in financial institutions, banks, or mostly credit unions, I should say. Um, and I guess what happened is when I got sick, I got sick and um, somebody had to take over my project, right? Um, and when that happened, they basically, or probably management, I don't know whoever it was, um, took away the the project away from me not and it gave it to my fill in at the time which is a, a re person that was actually filling in for me while I was on my christmas vacation with you guys um now I'm kind of on a on a retrain basically from my manager who states that she needs to get me up to par because I wasn't apparently before um which really bothers me it really does um and so now I'm in this, this limbo period where it's kind of like I'm not getting any projects, which means I'm not as busy as I once was. And it affects me. It affects my productivity. You know, it certainly hurts me in the process because, you know, I have concerns about my productivity, how well I'm doing, um, if I'm gonna keep, if I'm gonna have a job, and I, I even reached out to HR, <clears throat> and the way they explained it was that, yeah, Joseph, um, you don't, you shouldn't have anything to worry about, only because our process is this: if typically it starts from the manager, right, and if the manager decides to, you know, put in a claim or whatnot, whatever you want to call it, that oh, you know. You're not fulfilling your duties, right? Um, they're going to look at my history. They're going to look at what I've done since I've been there. And I've been there for close to 18 months, right? I've been a good employee, right? The truth of the matter is, I mean, 
with companies, you never really know what they're going to do, right? You really don't. Um, they could fire anybody they want, you know, without a doubt. You know, they don't need my permission, although I hope it doesn't happen, you know. Um, but we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm looking into other positions, other companies now as we speak, you know. Um, and I'm going to see what, what's out there. And I, I've gotten a, a few interviews so far. Some of them, unfortunately, have not been um, successful. Um, but to a certain degree, they have because some of them I've gotten a couple interviews. Um, and then they, you know, they send back um, notice to me, email, that they're just not interested, you know, whatever. Okay. I have to accept it what it is. I, I can't control that, right? Um, in the past, it would it would affect me, especially since, especially those periods of time when I, if I didn't have a job, right? Um, like a couple years ago, right? That hurt. That really affected me. For the fact that um, I didn't have a job. And that was a few years ago when I got let go, fired, I should say. You know, and I had to go scramble. And I had bills to pay. And, and luckily there were things that were, could help me. My wife was working at the time. She had just gotten hired um, part-time, which was fine. And it really did help thankful for that right um right now i i do have a, a prospect i did have a interview a first interview like a pre-screen on friday and it seemed really positive so we'll see what happens but i'm going to keep trying i actually have a good friend who is uh, works at amazon as well who who who's been wonderful his name is Alex, and he, he actually refers me, finds positions, even goes as far as looking for positions to help me apply, and um, applies for me, which is awesome. Nobody ever does that for me. He doesn't have to do that, obviously. But, um, but he does. And I appreciate it. I certainly appreciate it, right? So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm not giving up hope. I'm, you know, my mindset is that I don't want to live in fear, you guys. I don't. I don't want to live in fear. I've lived in fear um, for a good portion of my life. Right? I don't want to live like that anymore. Tired of it. Tired of it. And sometimes I get silent because I'm thinking about what I want to say, right? 
but the truth of the matter is that I, um, I'm trying to move forward. What I'm also trying to do to add to my career is study for what's called the um, Project Management Certification, which is called PMP. I'm actually taking a Udemy course right now. You have to take 35 hours on there first before they allow you to either even take the test. So I have to prove that first, right? Um, and then the test is, I think it's like four or five hours. It's like four hours. It's long. A lot of what I'm seeing is things that I'm currently doing in my career. So I should be okay, but there's a lot to learn. Don't get me wrong, right? A lot to learn. Um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, I guess right now where I'm at is I'm in the crossroads. You know, it's been eye-opening in the sense that for the first time in my life, I feel, I don't really feel afraid. I feel more confident in my abilities. In the past, I wasn't. Maybe I'm growing wiser. I don't know. <laughs> who knows, right? Um, who knows? The people where I'm currently at, my job-wise, um, I like my job. I like my what I can do there. I like what how I've contributed. Um, I really do, and I hope to you know be there many years if possible. But if it doesn't work out, if something else better comes along, it's okay. You know, it's fine. I have a lot to offer, and I have to start believing that. I'm not an idiot. I have a master's degree in business. I'm educated. I, I'm, I've been an instructor, a teacher in, in colleges and a college now. I have a lot to offer. But people don't always see it. Right? People don't always see it. And um, I have some, some deep discussions about how I feel with my wife. Delia, because I want to open up to her so she knows how I feel. And for many years, I felt like I'm a nothing. I'm a nobody in the, in the business world. I'm a nobody in my career. And that's because I believed for many years I'm a nobody. I can't do anything. I'm, I wasn't confident because for many years I was told I was nothing growing up. And I tell my wife this, from, from the age of five until adulthood, when I lived with my mom, my grandfather, my sister, uh, my grand grandfather, who I, I consider him to be like the devil incarnate, his name was Raoul, tell me a great deal of profanities, vulgarities, um, you know, from a young age, punished me. He never really hit me. I shouldn't say really. I guess he pushed me around. He would make me do hard labor, I guess try to toughen me up, so to speak, growing up. But there was no love there. There was no gentleness from a grandfather. I, I kind of, I mostly got that from my other grandfather on my dad's side. Um, this was my grandfather on my mom's side. 
but my grandfather, my dad's side, whose name was Moses, immigrated from Mexico. Um, he was a World War II vet. Tough as his nails. Kindest man. Loved me and Jenny, my sister. Loved us. I often think about that. He died in uh, 2003. I think he was like 83 years old. Right. So I may get the math right. Yeah, about 83, right? I often think, you know, what kind of life did he live? He was a butcher, for what I know. My grandmother, whose name was Isabel, um, Jacoby, or Jacobs, I guess it's Jacoby, um, which was her last maiden name. And uh, she was like a lunchroom attendant, worked in the cafeteria. But she, she and my grandfather were also Sunday Sunday school teachers. God bless them. They're they're in, they're in heaven right now. Which one day I hope to see, I will see them. I don't hope I will. Um. But I often think about them a lot. I think about the hardships my grandfather endured, you know. And I think about, you know, at the time when I was born, which. Let's see, 2003 minus uh, 1979, 24 years old. So let's see, how old was he? He was about 59 years old at the time when I was born, right? And in the 60s, my, my sister was born. So he was a grandfather age, right? He's a grandfather age. And he suffered late in his life of Alzheimer's. Um, my grandmother had died, I think, in 1998. Um, she was, I don't know how old she was, but she had multiple surgeries, brain surgeries. I think she got tumors, things of that nature. They both loved us. There were moments where I will always remember them. And one of the, the few moments I remember, which are important, is when we, me and my sister would go visit every other weekend with my father because my father had us split weekends with my mom because they were divorced. And um, my grandparents were there and we would stay overnight. And um, one particular night, it, it was... Back in the 80s, it was when Nightmare on Elm Street had its own um, television series on TV. And it would come on like around 1 in the morning. And um, I love to watch it. <laughs> uh, let me see um, when that came out. Nightmare on Elm Street series. 
That was, let's see here. Trying to see when that was. I'm sure it was in the 80s sometime. But anyways, what I was going to try to say, yeah, it looks like it was 1988, and I was probably, well, I was like nine years old, right? And there was a one time where, you know, everyone was asleep, and um, I went into the kitchen, and there was a little bit of, there was a little TV in there, um, and I went and watched it. And maybe I kept the TV a little too loud because my grandmother came walking in. She was very upset. Told me to turn off the TV and go to bed. Right? She's very upset. Uh, which is what a what a grandmother or even a parent would do, because I certainly wouldn't want my daughter watching TV at one in the morning secretly in a way and watching something like that. Right? So I went to sleep. Grandfather always took care of us. He's very loving, very giving. He'd buy me and my sister gifts. He'd buy us food, good food, which you may say, well, what is it? Oh, big deal. Well, but, you know, he always tried to make it special. So he would, like, for instance, I love meat. And I've, I've been a meat eater all my life, most of my life. He would buy us steaks. He would buy us good food. Uh, Porter houses, he would buy us uh, Hagen Dazs ice cream bars, which I love to this day. And they had the little peanuts on them, and you know, walnuts or whatever you want to call them. And um, we drink soda and we'd eat pizza, and it, it would be a time where we could just do whatever we want. And I would go in the backyard, and um, my grandfather just had a lot of junk back there. To him, it was probably treasure, but I saw junk. He had some, like a small shed, had a lot of tools, stuff in there, just stuff thrown in there. In the garage, he had these old lockers that were filled with tools, filled with different things. Um, and the garage was always full. Always. Always. And um, I would go in there and, and try to search for treasure, discover things, make things. I even made a, a a nightmare in Elm Street house out of wood and put it together myself back there, right? I would create little shacks in the backyard and put little fake dummies where I would stuff little dummies and I would stuff them and, and make them look like real people. And I, I was creative in that way. And I was that was because, you know, I, I even though I had my sister, I kind of liked to be by myself a lot. And it was fun. I could live in my own imaginary world, right? Um, as my grandfather got older, there were a time where in 1998 or 99, I went to go live with my dad and my grandfather. 
and I was only like nineteen or like nineteen year old, nineteen years old, and my grandfather was developing Alzheimer's at that time. It was a very difficult period of time to see him like that because um, my grandmother was gone; she was dead already, and just the mention of of telling her, telling my grandfather that she was, she passed would be like a shock to him because it would be like he, she was still there. So it hurt him. I was very angry. I was very upset. I was lost. I mistreated him at times. I'm sorry to say. I mistreated my father at times. Sorry to say. I wasn't a very good son. I was struggling with my own demons because of all the um, years of damage the devil incarnate Raul did on me, right? It's, it's hard. And I still think about it today. It affects me today because although we all grow up with different childhoods, some worse than others, and some even turn out okay, and some even turn out fantastic, turn out wonderful. I feel like I've been a big failure. Other than my daughter and wife, who are my treasures, I feel like I'm a big failure in life. That there's a lot that I could have done, and and although I'm I'm only forty two. There's a lot that I should have done in these last two decades since I've been out of college, right? And um, it's difficult. It's difficult. Um, my mid-20s were tough. That's probably one of the reasons why I attempted to end my life at that point. Because I, I just didn't feel anything was worth living for. You know? Do I feel like that sometimes? I do. I, I feel life is worth living for. But I feel like my family deserves better. My wife and child deserves better. My daughter, Michaela, who is in love with me, she loves me to death, and I love her, obviously. She and my wife would be devastated if anything was ever to happen to me at my own hands. And what I mean by that is that there are things that happen in this life that we can't control, right? I could get cancer and die. I could be in a big car accident, things of that nature. But if I take, take things into my own hands... You know, like so many do. And you look at so many today that are maybe my age and in their life when they have families, they have kids, they have beautiful things that they, sh they could look forward to. But they go ahead anyway. And you've seen even pastors, which you may say, well, what does that make a difference? Pastors and their life. 
and they have beautiful families. They they look like they have beautiful lives, but in reality, maybe they don't. Maybe they're suffering. You know. You know, thinking about that, it could be that when I think about my family dynamics, my parents divorcing, that definitely probably had an effect over me. I'm sure it did at some certain point, right? I'm going to play this next song, which kind of goes in line to what I'm saying now. And it's another 80s group, 90s group, excuse me. Ever clear? It's called Wonderful. Thank you. 
down fingers wonderful now. Everything is wonderful now. What a great song, isn't that? Uh, uh, for for those of you who who grew up in the '90s, you definitely heard Everclear, and there's multiple songs um, that you hear from, right? From them. And I'll probably play more. I'm, I most certainly will, you know. Um, but they're an awesome song. Awesome song. Um, what, what do I like about that song? Well, I first of all, if you've ever seen the music video, it's awesome. But it is really about divorce, right? about how parents are divorced, how they're, you know, and their kids, you know, the parents fight a lot and how their, you know, kids are struggling and the parents just tell them everything's going to be wonderful now. And yeah, parents tell their kids that to make them feel better, right? Um, but sometimes it's a lie. Sometimes things don't get better, you know? And we have to be careful with that. And I think about when my parents divorced, I was probably like five years old. My sister was probably like three. Um, we lived in horrible conditions, to be honest. We lived in Huntington Park, which in my opinion, that's a, that's a real shithole. Sorry, excuse my French. <laughs> um, I know people live there today, you know, and it's mostly filled with Latinos. It's a, it's a very diverse neighborhood. It's a very poor neighborhood in my opinion, right? That's really what it is. Um, And I grew up there in South Los Angeles. It wasn't a good experience. I think that was part of the problem of, of why I struggled in my life. Because of the neighborhood. And I've tried to, you know, bring my daughter to good neighborhoods. And unfortunately, um, you know, she lived there for, for many years. From the age of, I think, how old was she? She was like two or three, 
up until yeah up until the age of I think seven so she lived there quite a few years you know but it just was not a good experience and I I kick myself every day putting my daughter through that environment I really do in most cases because of her age she stayed home she was in indoors we didn't go out much but when we did go out we we drove out of the city went towards other cities where we could go do shopping and you know go to the mall or go, go get our grocery shopping and whatnot um but ultimately she didn't go out further than you know to the front door and there was a gate um, to protect her because cars would literally speed down the street which you know if you've ever watched that scene in uh, pet cemetery where there's just no fence there's no nothing there and and trucks are, are speeding by every day and then of course the main character's son dies right that's that's kind of how it was i mean we had a fence to protect her but if we didn't there would definitely be some deaths there because cars would just speed by and they would keep going and because of the neighborhood pe people wouldn't stop I, I guarantee it they would keep driving they would keep driving see and that's what happens in los angeles people just keep driving they don't care if they hit and kill somebody they really do not care right So what's happening now? There are a lot of things that are happening in our world, in our country. That I think about. My daughter's growing up. She's in the third grade. Third grade? Mm -hmm. I forget sometimes. <laughs> She's doing well. I'm proud of her. She's growing up quickly. I think now I just need to pray more, give more time to God. And let me um, let me see what our devotional reads today, okay? And some of you know that I read devotionals from Strength for Today by David Jeremiah. That's where I get these from, devotionals. Let's see, the 12th, right? Today's the 12th, yep. So today's obedience or sacrifice. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Luke 6.46. Young children learn quickly what disobedience is. The failure to carry out a parent's instructions, a concept that is hard to grasp, but nonetheless important is a notion delayed disobedience or delayed obedience carrying out the task later instead of when the parent expects it to be done it's simply a matter of priorities the parents versus the child children learn this important life lesson delayed obedience is the same as disobedience 
When the Israelite exiles began returning into Jerusalem from captivity in Persia, their priorities were misplaced. Instead of focusing on rebuilding God's house, the temple in Jerusalem, they focused on their attention on building their own pleasant dwellings. And then the prophet Haggai took them to task for it, Haggai 1.9. Their attitudes had been, we'll build God's house, just not right now. When it comes to giving to the Lord, we can slip into delayed obedience. I need to use God's tithe for a few months to cover some bills, but I'll make it up later. As a prophet Samuel told King Saul, God loves obedience better than sacrifice. First Saul 15.22 That applies to all of your obligations, including giving. Right. One thing is definitely for sure, you know. Am I? Do I believe in God? Absolutely. Am I always obedient? No. There are things I have to be very careful about. About what I watch, what I bring into the home. It's difficult um, because. TV is right here. Now, something that I just did in recently, which may surprise many, but you may not, may or may not care, is I eliminated the cable. I cut the cord. I cut the cord. And now I'm just streaming. So I just have internet, which is enough for me. And then I have all the apps, the necessary apps, right? That I need. On my, on my TV, on my computer, on my phone. That's all we really need, folks. You know, we don't need cable. We don't need the extra cost. But oftentimes people do. I know, like right now, my sister says she needs it because, and I, I even asked her, you know, why don't, why don't you just cut the cord? She said, no, our internet connection is not the best. So I can understand that. But I, I feel invigorated over the fact that, you know, we cut the cord. And I'm doing other things to save money, you know, um, change my water, which I we, we do order water service. Uh, we we're doing Ready Fresh, and then we went to Sparklets, which is so much cheaper. And some of you may be like, I don't care about that, Joseph. Um, <laughs> um, and then I'm also, I have a storage unit, a small one that I'm getting rid of. So that's going to be money I'm saving. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to save money here. Right? I really am. I really am. It will get better. It will get better. And I'm working towards that. But there are things I, I wanted to also talk about today um, that I'm thinking about. You know, my writing as well. My writing has been picked up again and I started to write and get back to editing my book, which I have. And I need to, I need to do that. I'm on like, what am I? I'm like, page 135 out of 
how many pages I have. Tons of pages left. <laughs> I had it. And um, I need to get back to th the way things were. I also need to study for my PMP so that eventually I could take that test and be ready for that test, you know. Because I look forward to doing that this year. Absolutely. That's what I hope to focus on this year. You know, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Let me play this last song, and this is really going to, you know, it's another, it's, I guess you could say 90s slash 2000s group, and, and people mock this group a lot, but I think they're pretty good, and I think you guys will enjoy them too, but they're, it's called, it's from Nickelback, so let me play that.
So what's the meaning of that song? And that song is by Nickelback. And it's called If Everyone If Everyone Cared. And the meaning behind that is If Everyone Cared by Nickelback paints a picture of peace and serenity. Life is short and people worry too much about themselves because of greed, jealousy, selfishness, and a lack of empathy. People are dying because nobody would help them. If we lived in a world where people put themselves, others, before their own, then we'd see the day when nobody died. This song is an outstanding wonderful Chad Kroger who is a the lead singer has an intelligent mind he talks about the world would be if everyone cared and nobody fought and if everyone donated stuff to the homeless and the sickling sicklings I've seen a young man on the streets homeless and dying he inspired me I got I got him up and put him right on back on his feet I gave him some food and a place to stay until he got a job now today he works at MTS Center in Winnipeg. If everyone cared enough to do this at least once or twice a year, we wouldn't see homeless out on the streets dying. We'd see good people with jobs and homes with food in their food in their bellies. If everyone would like this, then we'd see a day when nobody died. If you see a homeless person out in the streets, be a good citizen. At least give them a couple of dollars to buy some food. So just awesome, you know. I, I've been a, a big fan of Nickelback for since they came out. People mock them, but they're not a bad group. They they have actually a lot of catchy tunes, um, and I enjoy listening to them because they they reminisce with my life during that period of time when those songs came out, which was very difficult. The toughest years of my life were 2006. Actually, I think it was, let me see. Let me see here. I, to be honest, I don't remember. I, I, I honestly don't remember. Um, 2006, let's see. Went February of 2006. I believe it was like on a, on a Monday or Tuesday. Oh, the 7th, which is February 7th, which is when, um, that was the day in 2006 when I tried to take my life. And in that point, I was going through graduate studies. I was studying. Um, that was the day that my life changed forever. I remember being in a kind of like a, a like a inpatient care or some facility, you know, during Valentine's Day, and my mom and sister came to visit me. And you know, in two thousand six, and I, I think about how during that time, how old was my mom? And you're like, what does that make a difference? I was nine years before she passed, right? So my mom was 47 years old. And how old was I at that time? So that was, this is 2002. 
no, t- 2022, sorry. <laughs> Six, 16 years ago, I was 26 years old. I told you it was a tough. It was it, that was a tough part of my life, very tough. Um, prior to that year, I think it was oh no, two thousand six or seven. Actually, I'm sorry. I think it was two thousand seven. I'm trying to remember here, two thousand six. See. I think God wants me just to forget about that time in my life. And and some of you would say, yeah, just forget about it. It's probably like 27. Yeah, I believe it was 2007. I'm sorry, not 2006. Um, But anyways, I'm here. (laughs) I'm here. Um, But we're talking a lot about, you know, what this life is like, what it's brought me. It's brought me a lot of blessings, hardships, things that I put my family through. Things that we are going to go through in this life until the last day, until we take that last breath, right? It's a fight. It's a fight to the struggle. It's a fight to the end. Something that that we shouldn't, we, we just can't give up. We have to keep fighting. We have to keep moving. Because life is short, and we really don't know when our last day will be on this earth. It's not up to us. It's up to God. He knows our last day. He knows our first breath. Right? So hopefully all of you out there, you know, especially today, get a little idea of who I am. And I encourage you guys to continue to to look out for my blog, josephmeyercreatives.com, right? Which is Joseph's Adventures in Writing. And I actually put some new blogs on there. And one of them is called This Is Me, How Being the Fat Bully Kid Changed How I Viewed Myself and How Society Views the Obese Today. Another one I put in is Stealth Job Search While Employed, How to Get It Done. And then last week I did a, 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 an additional series on my feature series, which is Life in the Circus, from yesterday to today. And I did Felix Werhel, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, The Elastic Man. And it's it's actually number 20. Wow. And I have actually um, have 20 of those so far. So every week I, I put something new, or at least I try to anyways. Keep that flow of writing going for me. That keeps me motivated. That keeps me focused. Not to give up. Not And, and part of that is because I have you guys out there who are listening, hopefully. <laughs> um, whoever you are. <laughs> um, I know I'm not that interesting, in all honesty. You know, yeah, that's okay. You know, I don't mind. I'm not offended. <laughs> I'm not offended. So, you know,
Thank you, everybody. Thank you. For continuing, for continuing to be there with me. So where do we go from here, you guys? Just want to wish everyone a blessed weekend. Peace and tranquility to all of you out there. Be safe. COVID still exists. It has not ended. Be a fire starter. Not literally, but, <laughs> you know. And continue to push forward. Continue to make yourself better. Always. So I'm going to end with this song because I know we just listened to it a little while ago. But I think it's an important reminder for all of us. All right, everyone. Thank you for everyone for joining me on another Just Talk with Joe Meyer. May all of you have a blessed weekend. Be at peace. And until next time, God bless.